Hello, everyone. I'm Harpreet Singh, welcoming you to the Future of Work Pioneers podcast. Today, we are speaking with Sarah Chavaria, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer at Delta Dental of California and its enterprise affiliates. Sarah leads the overall employee experience across talent acquisition and talent management, compensation and benefits, union relations, health and welfare programs, employee learning and development, and diversity and inclusion. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Singh. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's start with your background. Uh, Tell us about your journey and any defining moments that may have had an impact on you. Sure. I grew up in the military um, as a daughter of a command sergeant major who moved us around a lot. So change was something that I was very used to. And I loved languages. I grew up overseas. And so in my career, I quickly applied the love of change and the love of language to a um, job in the human resources field. I didn't realize that at the time I was focused on leadership development and building skills of the workforce. And slowly but surely, I found that many of the organizations that I worked with were focused on some kind of implementation, transformation, some kind of change. And so I threw myself into that work in organizational effectiveness and grew my career to here. I've been uh, really fortunate to have been a chief people officer at some startup organizations and organizations like Nant Health, where I led the acquisition of an integration of eight companies into a single organization and then helped the organization take that public. And today, I'm at Delta Dental, which is a a wonderful place uh, for me to be. I've been here three years and you've listed um, all of the capabilities that I lead here in the organization. But I think, you know, the, the short invitation for me here was to come and help lead a business transformation and to do that through a people lens and think about how do you bring the workforce along? What does the employee base need in terms of support and information and and things like that. So um, it's been it's been a wonderful journey. I'm very fortunate to wake up in the morning and absolutely love what I do. So so help us understand how the affiliate organizations are related to uh, Delta Dental of California. Yeah, sure. That's a great question because um, it's not unusual in the healthcare space to see an organization like this. So we're Delta Dental of California, but as such, we're responsible for multiple states across uh, the nation. And um, we partner with some of the Delta Dentals that aren't part of our organization through the DDPA, which is the, the Delta Dental Plan Association. And so through that, we work together to make sure that we're, you know, united in how we think about our brand. We're united in how we think about our partnership with providers and some things like that. But fundamentally, as Delta Dental of California, with the reach that we have across all of our members and, and all of our states, we are able to really lead a transformation. We're the largest of the Delta Dental plan members. And as such, I think we're 
really um, pioneering in some some really great ways and finding ways to partner with some of our brothers and sisters out there along the way. The COVID-19 crisis has been a force of change. What have been the key lessons and challenges and what is going to be the change long-term for Delta Dental? 2020 was very challenging, I know, for many organizations out there. And for us as a dental insurer, um, it's a complex organization to begin with and was made more complex as people started to shelter in place across the world. And we saw dentists' offices closing and really questioned what that meant for us. And I'm really proud of what we've done as a senior leadership team and as an organization to lead through this crisis. So first and foremost, you know, our vision statement is to take exceptional care of our providers, our customers, and each other. And in a crisis like a pandemic, which is what we were all facing in 2020, the ability to really focus first and foremost on strong communications and information to our employees about what this looked like as an impact to us as an organization was paramount. With our technology teams and and our facilities teams, really being able to focus on how we support employees working from home, something that was very new for us. And we focused on how to have our offices be as safe as possible for those individuals who would come into the office. We quickly moved to a model where the most essential workers who could not do their work from home would come into an environment where we now had health checks at the door, taking temperatures at the door and making sure that um, we were creating a lot of space for those folks to come into the office. For the individuals working from home, we looked for ways to offer self-service tools and implement technologies to make their jobs easier and to make the jobs of our callers, which are our providers or our members, um, potentially easier as well. So I think in, um, in short, we accelerated some things that were probably on our roadmap for two or three years out. And I think as we start to all hope that we return to normalcy in the summer or when the vaccine's more available for everyone, I think some of the long-term things will be we've created new ways of working, the ways that leaders engage with their workforce and their teams, the accelerated communications that we've launched to make sure that our CEO, he connects with the organization on a regular basis, the leaders connect with their teams on a regular basis. I think we've built an amazing cadence of, uh, and quite frankly, and transparency around what we know, what it means to us, how we're going to work around that or do our work. And I think those are some elements we want to see continue even after we start to bring people back to work as we did before. Can you give us some examples of um, uh, the, the, the kind of communication that's happening? Uh, what is the cadence like? Sure. So we started sheltering in place on March 16th. I will never forget that day. Uh, The state of Pennsylvania and the Bay Area in California both issued state, you know, shelter in place orders. And we have offices um, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in California, Texas, and and lots of other places. So we quickly worked to think about um, how do we shelter in place 
across our organization, anticipating that that would be the safest thing for us to do. And so we put in place, um, like I said, I think I already mentioned the health screenings uh, for folks who were coming into the office. We made sure that our technology team um, really did magical work uh, to find ways to create connections for all of our employees to their equipment in the office so that they could take calls from home. We, um, you know, really focused on cleaning protocols and probably the thing that none of us anticipated getting in the business of, especially as a people organization was the direct connection we had with employees around their own health, the ability to contact trace. If we had someone who unfortunately came in contact with someone who had COVID, how are we going to manage that? And so the people team worked really quickly with our finance team to come up with some, I think, really innovative and early ways to support the employees being able to take emergency time off so that they could first and foremost, you know, make the priority to care for themselves or their family. And remember, not that it's any less scary today, but there were so many unknowns when this all first started. And so our priority was to make sure that our employees were taken care of, that they had emergency time off, the ability to work from home if they did come into the office, that it was a very safe place to be. And the cadence of the communications was by March 19th, our CEO was already talking to the entire organization in a town hall and just sharing with them what we were understanding from local governments and from brother and sister organizations out there who were, you know, also working pretty quickly to, to find solutions. We um, continue to have our CEO engage with the workforce on a every three week to every four week basis to bring that information forward. People like myself partnered with him, the COO partnered with him so that employees were hearing from us what we were doing, how work was changing. And then we supported that with an incredible cadence of people leader calls. So on a monthly basis, we brought all people leaders together and really equipped them with questions we knew employees had and talking points so that they could engage with their own teams in their own cadences, which look more like daily huddles or weekly staff meetings. And we created a, a solid feedback loop from employees. We opened all the feedback channels so that we could curate questions and answers. Um, we have, you know, email inboxes. And through the engage, you know, engaged employee culture we've been able to build, um, our employees have kept us really up to date on what's on their mind and given us some really good um, areas to focus on as a leadership team. So that's been wonderful. This episode is brought to you by Experfy. Incubated in Harvard Innovation Lab, Experfy provides custom future of work solutions, such as private talent clouds and skill taxonomies. Experfy differentiates itself by using subject matter experts to pre-vet and pipeline candidates for AI and high-end technology skills. However, Experfy Talent Cloud Platform is skill agnostic 
and can be licensed to build custom talent clouds for any and all skills. In a different use case, enterprises interested in employee intermobility can license the Xperpi platform to create an internal gigs marketplace where interested employees can be algorithmically matched to projects, gamifying their learning experience. Visit www.experfi.com for more information. You've talked about the importance of having a strong people-focused corporate culture and creating diverse teams at Delta Dental. What is your approach in fostering a, a diverse, agile, and a, col- a collaborative uh, workplace culture? I love this question because I think a lot of organizations, especially right now, are really, really thinking about that. And what I'll start by saying that I think is most important is that for us at Delta Dental, diversity, inclusion, and belonging is not a program. It is our business strategy and it is tied to and fundamental to our transformation. And so we fundamentally believe that through the employees engaging with us, through these feedback loops that I just shared around COVID, through partnering with us to join you know, project teams, we are able to bring in that diverse perspective. We're able to bring teams together that historically have probably never worked you know, together before. And we're able to focus on holistically building, evolving, and developing our organization through this transformation. So I think, you know, we focus more on how do we facilitate awareness of our biases? How do we facilitate bringing the right um, invitations or opportunities, you know, together to invite people to join? And I'll give you one specific example. As you know, dentists' offices across the country started to close uh, for the pandemic. And we found ourselves with employees who now were not taking in the number of calls that they would if a dentist's office was open. We created a talent agility program. And the invitation was for employees who had capacity to raise their hand and join a project that would be instrumental in advancing our transformation, whether it was a, an agile team coming together to implement a technology, whether it was a review team to read training materials to make sure they would, you know, do a good job to onboard employees, whatever that project looked like, we had many employees across the organization raise their hand and bring their experience to a project that they may otherwise never have gotten to work on. And so um, opportunities like that are the things that we continue to seek to create. It's how we're fundamentally shifting how we think about our technology implementations and how we think about our product implementations and really looking for how do we bring together these diverse teams. So I'll underscore again for us, Um, This is, you know, just a almost a fundamental belief that the greater we can engage our employees and the more we can invite our employees to raise their hand and participate, the better outcomes we're going to drive on the back end to deliver on, on what we're hoping our outcomes will be. Given you're spread out across geographies and uh, you've got distributed teams is uh, 
building a culture more challenging in that context? So it's interesting. I come from personally a very virtual environment. If you think about my experience of doing lots of acquisitions and, you know, working to, to bring people together. Um, and I'm not the only one. So we have over the course of the last three years, uh, really through our talent acquisition, um, included some leaders who, who also come from an environment that um, has worked very comfortably virtually. So I'll say this, it's, it's always challenging at first because it's, it's our mindset, right? And I think that even very innovative and virtual companies have come to learn that you benefit greatly when you bring people together in an environment and you have that teamwork together with a whiteboard. So there are, there are challenges like that. But what has almost in some ways made it easier for us to engage with our geographies being where they are is we all have this desire to and have this goal to communicate with and engage with our folks. And so we have a united, if you will, um, strategy around how we do that. So I shared with you earlier some of our communication cadences. And in addition to that, I think we've gotten really creative and really clear on how we can bring people together who, again, traditionally haven't sat together in the same geography. And now we're bringing them together in these virtual gatherings, these virtual celebrations. We're a very big turn your video on culture because we're a very big, you know, relationship culture. And so, you know, we've had, you know, town halls, we've had, um, Halloween celebrations where every employee across offices is now engaging with each other in this virtual format, which I'll be honest, before March might not have happened because the idea to, you know, fly some of these groups together to interact wouldn't have been there. And the impetus to pull them together in a virtual environment might not have been there. So I would say, you know, there's a balance between some of the challenges not everybody's comfortable on video, you know, in a virtual setting, but we're all comfortable now. <laughs> you know, we're almost one year into this. And um, I think we've all gotten a little smarter about uh, managing our Zoom calls and making sure we're bringing the right people together versus just quickly transitioning every meeting we had to a Zoom call. There's always a silver lining in every crisis. Right, exactly. So um, how do you approach reskilling of your employees? Uh, uh, what role does technology play in that process? So our technology team has really been front and center through 2020, as I you know, described, moving the ability for employees to now work from home. But even bigger than that, we haven't slowed down our work in our transformation to continue to look for ways to improve the technologies that we have 
for employees to access information to be more you know, effective in meeting the customer's needs. We haven't slowed down our work around making sure that our providers have the tools um, so that they can access information without having to call in so that it's you know, just in time for them and for our members and our customers as well. We've moved to more mobile technologies, more mobile access, and certainly more self-service access. And so I think technology plays a a great role in helping us think about how are we going to work differently now that, you know, we have um, these technologies with us. And that too has been a transformation. You know, we started when I joined three years ago with my team, the the people team implementing the first cloud-based technology in our human capital management system. And in part, what was wonderful about that was, you know, the ability to invite our employees and our managers to move into a self-service model, to move into interacting with this new technology and this cloud-based solution. And through that, finding ways um, to really make it work for them and and really drive the improvements that we were hoping it would drive. And so now three years down the roadmap, when we're implementing these same types of technologies and solutions for our customers and for our providers and for our employees to do their work, um, you know, most effectively, um, they're bringing that experience with them, which started for them very personally, and now they're translating those skills. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, in in all of this, we've also, you know, thought about reskilling just from an employee development perspective, and how do we move, you know, the hiring, the onboarding, and all of that work um, to an online format and and how much of that can we do in an online format. And we've been really successful in, again, partnering with our employees to understand, you know, how we can most effectively train, develop, and engage with our employees and our leaders to bring some of that development forward. So our training team, our um, development team has been, you know, working very closely with the business to identify and move um, as much content as makes sense um, into an online um, environment so that our employees can engage. And I would say that, you know, a lot of it has been just in time training and just in time development. If you're successful in moving through a transformation by creating an agile environment where employees are engaged and they're raising their hands for projects and things like that. Um, a lot of that training is just in time. They're they're learning through the work that they're bringing to a team. And so we spend a lot of time talking about ourselves as a learning organization, because if you're in a transformation and you're bringing people together in new ways of working, which is what we're talking about here, then you have to also have this appetite that you're bringing that just in time learning to your senior leaders, to your frontline leaders, and to your employees. Are there specific skills that you find are scarce or are, are in particular, uh, you know, are, are valuable to you as an organization? 
Certainly. I think that if I think about on a grand scale, kind of what we're looking for in terms of skills and, and how we think about um, developing our workforce and some really specific capabilities that we need to build, we want skills around, and this is a great example of developing people in-house um, process improvement. Right. If, if you're an organization in transformation, you're driving change across every part of your organization. So, for example, my team partners with the business to build the organizational structure that's going to help us deliver on the outcomes that we're seeking to deliver. And then we have to think about because it's people process technology, right? So the people part, we get them organized. We think about their skills. Do we have the talent? And from a process perspective, we want individuals who have that process improvement mindset that have the ability to capture current state and think about future state. We're, you know, an over 60 year old company and we're successful and we've been doing things the same way for a long time. And so these are new skills for us. So that's one example, process improvement. I would say the other example would be data. How do you look at data? How do you analyze data? And how do you help capture the data that you have to tell a story? And that's been a great example for us in 2020, because if you think about just everything that you as a leadership team want to understand about your employees, the calls, what the impact of sheltering in place has on your business, you're talking about data and you're talking about looking at it through a completely different lens. And, you know, you can't hire all new people, nor would you want to. You want to really invite your organization and the people in it to find new ways to look at that data, you know, have a new mindset around process improvement. So those are two, I think, concrete examples for us of really broad skills that we're looking to embed as skills within organizational teams so that they can bring, you know, that capability to the forefront as we continue to drive transformation. So as we see the explosion of uh, remote work, freelancing is becoming an important imperative for organizations. So is Delta Dental also leveraging freelancers in some capacity or has plans of doing so in the future? So if you think about, you know, our business and the fact that the purchase of dental benefits is somewhat seasonal for the customer, right? So we think about it. So um, so what I'll say there is that, you know, we've had a longstanding practice of having individuals join our organization seasonally, join our organization as a contractor or as a consultant to bring a specific, you know, expertise to, um, to the organization for a period of time. We also, you know, are, are quite comfortable and um, spend time working with temporary organizations to bring some of those skills forward. So in, in that regard, I think as we think about um, 
the new generations of folks and the folks who have now tried on this working from home, you know, as it relates to freelancing, I would say we're, we're pretty well positioned to potentially think about, you know, if we had an individual who was looking at, you know, continuing to have their children at home for an extended period of time and, you know, wanted to bring their expertise to bear for a reduced schedule, I think that's something that all of us have to think about. And, you know, we certainly have some of the infrastructure to, to think about that. Um, I will say too, though, that we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about freelancing in particular because the talent investments that we've been making over the last two years, three years, and the talent investments that we're looking to make both in developing our own employees and adding some of those critical capabilities to our organization, um, we have a lot of work to do. So in a lot of ways, um, maybe there's an opportunity to balance that, you know, freelancing with, you know, some full-time employees, but because we're a purpose, you know, focused organization and, um, you know, our roadmap is, is pretty robust and, and we mean to deliver on that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we're continuing to, to look for talent and in, in whatever form um, that talent market starts to take shape. Um, I think we're well positioned to, to bring that talent on in, in any way. So hopefully that, that answers a little bit of what you're, you're getting at there. Yes, yes. I, I think um, it, it's particularly interesting that um, when it comes to hard to find skills, um, uh, whether it's uh, data related skills or technology related skills, uh, oftentimes uh, uh, you, you see that uh, when, when, when you want to hire quickly, uh, you know, freelance, freelancing becomes an a, a important um, alternative uh, for yeah. organizations, uh, especially uh, in, in a place like California, right, where <laughs> Silicon Valley companies are gobbling up all the uh, talent. Uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, if you can find people out of uh, New York or D.C., uh, you know, who, who are willing to freelance in those critical skills, it, it can be very advantageous. Yeah, absolutely. I've certainly um, had some wonderful experiences with freelancers, specifically in, you know, startup companies where you're still building an organizational design. So there isn't really an opportunity to point them to, but they, they bring that just in time need. Um, maybe I'll share, you know, something that um, I'm just really proud of here, which is, you know, we, we have, I think, a really amazing story that we're presenting to um, the folks that we've acquired um, as recently as, you know, within the last 90 days. And that is, I think, I'll take a little, um, you know, personal sidestep here and say, when I think about the impact that the pandemic has on an individual who is working, I very quickly move to people are looking for stability, they're looking for security, and they're looking for um, some comfort that, you know, they're going to have a place to, to go and they're going to have a place to do work. And, you know, when I say we communicated transparently and openly and regularly with our employees, we had that at the forefront, which was, you know, how do we ensure that, you know, we're um, meeting that need that I think they have as individuals. They're watching their neighbors be laid off. They're, you know, reading it in the news. And I think that um, that has 
really, you know, put some concern out there in the in the marketplace. And so I'm really proud of us that, you know, we got really creative, like this talent agility program I talked about and, and kept, you know, everyone engaged, working, employed and driving to some really great outcomes. And I think that you know, the story that we're telling um, to the market when we're looking for talent is this wonderful invitation to come to a successful 60 plus year organization and drive transformation. And so we've, we've had some folks join us that I'm just really thrilled to have. And I hope that continues into 2021 as, you know, we're not slowing down on our transformation. And I think we've demonstrated being nimble and caring and, um, and providing for our employees. So, you know, as the, as the person who sits, you know, on the team with a wonderful CEO, who's put a stake in the ground to lead the organization around taking exceptional care of each other, which are our employees. um, I think that, you know, as a, as a result, we've been able to, um, hire and onboard some, some really incredible people. So um, wanted to share that since we're talking about talent. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you, you've, uh, in, in, in your career, participated in integrating uh, organizations, companies you'd acquired. Perhaps you can share some leadership lessons uh, in that context. Sure. I think, you know, I, I've shared with my team, I reflect sometimes on what I thought and, you know, what I was like 15 years ago when I was a director and um, how, you know, you're trying to grapple with and learn all of these complex business strategy ideas and philosophies. And, and I will say here that, you know, I'm, I'm older now, I've been in this field for a long time. And, you know, I think the biggest lesson is just um, strive to do the right thing. And the ability to do the right thing is to create a relationship with those individuals who are being impacted, whether they're being impacted because they're being acquired, they're being impacted because we're adding this great organization we've just acquired with talent in, Um, it invites fear, right? Because now you're creating something that's unknown. And so for me, do the right thing is spend the time up front. And this is where change management comes in for me. You know, spend the time up front with employees, you know, people on your team that you know and trust are gonna, you know, really be great thought partners and anticipate if you can't know directly, what are the concerns going to be for these individuals and build a plan for how you're going to address those concerns and be honest. We, you know, in the organization I was in where we did eight acquisitions in I think 18 months, um, you know, everyone in an acquisition environment knows that you're going to have um, duplicate skills. You're going to have duplicate roles and you're going to have, um, extra capabilities. And I think the ability as a leader to get in front of that and be honest and, and share pretty early on what the process is going to be, how long, you know, as an organization, do you anticipate um, having that duplicate um, capability? And, and what's the process for getting to the optimal organizational structure? I think the, the more focus you can have on a tend to those needs, 
of the individuals who are impacted, the greater outcomes you're going to get and the faster you're going to be able to move. And then I would say do the right thing translates to, you know, in my role, sometimes individuals can't stay in the organization or there isn't a role for them or they raise their hand and it's, you know, they, they want to go look somewhere else. And I would say that um, the values of dignity and respect come into play there and, and sitting across the table from individuals and acting like adults and having those conversations and working to do the right thing is really paramount. It's important to an employer's brand. It's important to your personal brand as a leader. And at the end of the day, you want to feel as good about what you're doing as you can. You know, I, I think early on, I said, I wake up every day and I love what I do. And I think that's in large part because I've worked for cultures and helped create cultures where that attention to the individual and what their concerns and needs are, that's the foundation to all engagement, all culture work, and, um, and then piling on that, you know, the skills of being honest and transparent and, and giving people timelines. I mean, I'm, you know, my team is famous for putting timelines out there <laughs> to just show people, here's when we will know, here's when we hope to know. And the pandemic's a great example. You know, now we're talking about summer. You know, we hope we will start to, you know, bring people back together in the summer. That's honest, you know, that, and hopeful. <laughs> So, so how how does um, the HR function differ? Because you you've worked in various industries, so you know how how does the HR function differ in a healthcare context versus in, in a company like Levi Strauss? Oh, that's that's wonderful. So, I would say that um, one thing that healthcare has. For me, so the thing I realized and the reason I stayed connected to healthcare, despite having had some wonderful um, roles at Levi's and companies like Oracle is, it is very easy in healthcare to see the purpose. We have all been a patient. We have all been the parent of a patient, the daughter of a patient. And so in healthcare, the ability to think about all the work we're doing to benefit that patient or that, you know, sometimes we call them our member or that the customer, but at the end of the day, it's a patient walking in to seek oral health care. It's a, you know, mother or father walking in with their child to a period, you know, periodontist because their child has to have some, some surgery. And, and I think, um, that ability to tell a story about why we're here, what we're doing, why making it easier for the provider to engage with us benefits that member walking in to seek care um, is, is so rewarding. And, you know, I'm, you know, I've had you know, healthcare experiences with, um, you know, my own parents and, and my own children. And I can see from a patient's perspective, how I wish that to be for everyone. And so our ability to play some small role in, in you know, in our transformation to uh, improve the broader healthcare transformation that's underway, 
I think that's a very motivational and powerful ask. And um, I know that companies with really strong cultures um, do really well in engaging people around purpose. And, and ours is just, it's, it's so easy to invite people to think how it can be and then engage them around helping make it so. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's much easier to build a sense of mission when you're dealing with something so important. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it, all you have to do is pause the room and say, I want you to think about the last time you had to walk into a hospital emergency room, or I want you to think about the last time you had to find emergency dental care, whatever it is, you can pause the room and invite people to think about that. And then you're inspired <laughs> because um, we, like I said, we, you know, we all, uh, I think as humans, you know, we want to know that at the end of each day, when we're, you know, reflecting on it, we've created some value and we've, we've done something meaningful for a person, um, for our family, for a business and um, in healthcare, that's easy. I mean, look at just the, absolute recognition of healthcare workers through this pandemic when essential workers were identified and everyone was terrified. Frontline nurses did not stop going to work. Dentists were still seeing patients. And um, I think that just speaks volumes to what the healthcare field is all about. It's we care first and we're at the front, which is amazing. Sarah, any, any parting words for our audience? Oh, this has just been so wonderful. I think, you know, that, you know, given um, what you and I've talked about over the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes, I, I think that, you know, if people are just, you know, really curious about navigating this unknown, which is, I think, you know, what, what all of us are doing as we think about the future of work and how this pandemic has invited us to think about ways to accelerate that or it's created challenges for us. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, some of the basic things we've all been working on um, are still paramount. It's still all about employee engagement. It's about being connected to the workforce, being connected to the individuals in the workforce and understanding from their perspective what they're feeling, what they're, you know, what they feel their constraints are. And I think, you know, we as leaders in large part are here to help facilitate bringing about better solutions, easier ways to work and, and respond to the basic needs that our employees have. So I think employee engagement, being focused on culture, uh, we've talked about the pandemic a lot, but a lot happened in 2020. I think, you know, as organizations um, addressing social injustice and thinking about our employees and their relationship with that has been a another huge invitation to make sure that, you know, we're listening to our employees and finding ways for employees to tell stories about what it's like to work here, what it's like to live in the communities they live in, and not forget to attend to those needs as well. 
and um, to find ways in your culture transformation and your business transformation to have that listening channel open. And then, you know, be honest and transparent and open about what we're willing to do as leaders, what we don't know yet, and, um, and our commitment to continue to listen. So I think uh, I would leave it there. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Singh. It's been, it really has been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on.